Okay, good morning. Please rise for the reading of God's Word. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand. We are in Matthew 26. Matthew 26. Verse 31. Need a Bible? Anyone need a Bible? Raise your hand. Matthew 26. We're going through the book of Matthew, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Nearing the end. Book of Matthew. Verse 31. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, Assuredly I say to you this night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. Let's pray. Father, I just uh, thank you so much for the body of Christ, Lord, that in rain or shine, in uh, winter or summer, Lord God, uh, all of which we know a lot about up here, Lord, we can get together, God, and, and be refreshed by your word, encouraged by your word, corrected by your word, saved by your word, Lord. And I just pray that you do that work in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you may be seated. I just have a, a couple other things I'd like to, uh, to talk about. One, uh, on Friday night, September 15th, uh, there is a marriage uh, retreat, you could call it, that's going to begin down in the Calvary Chapel in Rockland, if any of you are interested. It goes Friday night through Saturday. Uh, and originally, there was an, uh, uh, an apple-picking venture that we were going to do. That's been put off to the end of the month. There's a, but for all of you who want uh, this or uh, are interested in the marriage conference, there is a sign-up sheet over on the table. Also, um, uh, we just got back from uh, New Orleans, uh, uh, our fourth trip down there, and uh, I uh, don't want us to rest, so I'd like all of you to pray about uh, going to Peru with us. Uh, sometime in the next year. So please be uh, praying ab- uh, about that if you're interested. We will be going back, and I don't know quite what the timing is, but if uh, you are interested, like to meet with you uh, after the service next Sunday. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, thanks, everyone, by the way, for their patience uh, with this room. Normally, we have the nursery in here and the Sunday schools in a room adjacent in the Longwood Hall. Uh, we get a deal with the hotel. Part of why we pay the rent that we do, which is actually a pretty good rent, is uh, every once in a while we agree to be bumped. And, and so blessed are the flexible. Uh, blessed are you that are flexible this morning. And so, Okay, so uh, Matthew 26, uh, Jesus, on uh, the very eve... Uh, of his uh, crucifixion. And uh, we read here, uh, 
uh, about Jesus, uh, telling, uh, in, in, in telling his people, telling them in his advance, his disciples, that all of them will be made to stumble. You know, uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, there's a very familiar verse. The Apostle Paul declares that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And if you do a little Greek study of that uh, phrase, inspiration of God, what it really is, is God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed. And if you're a Christian, sooner or later, uh, someone's going to ask you, uh, how do you know? How do you know that uh, Scripture is God-breathed? Prove it to me. I think Scripture's man-breathed. You prove it to me. Well, you know, there's a whole host of very powerful answers to those questions, Uh, one being the events of Jesus' life. Uh, that are predicted in advance by the Old Testament prophets, his arrival into Jerusalem, his betrayal, the manner of his death, some of the events that we're talking about right now, written hundreds of years uh, before he came onto the scene. That's one reason. But you know another reason is this, that God gives us, one of the reasons we have great confidence uh, in the reliability of the Word of God, is that of the Bible, is that it is not mere, it's not a document, and that it's not a document that just a bunch of wise, man-made uh, people uh, made on their own. It's the way it describes the life of its heroes. The Bible often includes uh, uh, the most damaging uh, and embarrassing, uh, some awkward, sometimes even lurid descriptions of men and women who were used in the most mighty way. That's not something a man-breathed document was like, particularly if you're a document that was uh, uh, written 2,000, 3,000 years ago. Any of you are familiar with the way that uh, histories used to be recorded two or 3,000 years ago. It was, they wrote about kings and, and heroes as if they were gods. Uh, not so uh, the Word of God, the Bible. And, and today we're going to study the life uh, of, uh, of, uh, of one of the apostles, the Apostle Peter, uh, where he had some really, really serious failures, so many that I, I think he would have been fired if, if, you know, by a boss or whatever today or, 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 or by uh, someone, in the, by a company president or a human master. They would have fired this guy. And that's what uh, the, the world does with people like the Apostle Peter. But not so the Lord. You know, 1 Corinthians 127, 28 uh, describes what the Lord does with people like uh, Peter. He uses them in a mighty way. It says uh, there, it says, God uses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put uh, shame to the things which are mighty. It says the base things, the lowly things of the world, and the things which are despised, God has chosen those things. Why, verse 29 of 1 Corinthians 1 says, it says, so that no flesh, no man, no woman would glory in his presence, so that no man would rob God of, the, of his glory. And so we, uh, we see throughout the word of God, the Lord using people uh, who sometimes did some pretty awful things, people with serious weaknesses and failings. And the apostle Peter, as we will see this morning, was one of them. And you know, reading about his life, it's an encouragement to me. I realize that my weaknesses and my past failures do not disqualify me from God's call on my life. 
I realize the bad choices I made in my life, and, and there, there have been so many. Choices that were contrary to God's word. Choices which hurt me and the people around me. Choices uh, which were made for no other purpose than to fulfill the lust of a rebellious uh, spirit. Choices which were similar to Peter's did not disqualify me from moving on with the Lord. And I realize that in spite of my failures, there's mercy for me, there's, there's, there's restoration for me, there's a God-ordained plan for me that I can now walk in. I want everyone here this morning to be encouraged by the life of the Apostle Peter that what God did with him, he can do with each one of you. So starting in verse 31 again, uh, Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. Now, what does that mean? Well, we have actually spent a lot of time in the last few months in the, in the study of Matthew on that word stumble. In the Greek, it's the word skandalizo. Uh, we've talked a lot about it. And, and, and some translations uh, don't say stumble. They say offend. Offend. And, and, and we talked about this very word just a couple weeks ago. It was the word that Jesus used to reply to John the Baptist. When John was sitting in prison wondering whether Jesus was really the Messiah, John thought that Jesus was going to be the conquering Messiah. He's going to overthrow Rome, which was oppressing Israel. And so he sent one of his disciples uh, to uh, Jesus and, and to ask him, are you the one or is there someone else? And, 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 and John was wondering this because he's sitting in prison and, and he's learning about what Jesus is doing. And, and Jesus wasn't conquering Rome. And he was, uh, he, instead, he was allowing himself uh, to, to go to the, to the cross to be crucified. At least that's what he was telling people that was going to happen to him. And that he would willingly go down that road. He was telling people to love their enemies, to bless those who curse them, to do good to those who uh, hated them. To be peacemakers. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the peacemakers. And, and, and John's thinking, whoa, what's going on here? And, and many others. And, 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 and he sent, Jesus sent a message back to John. He said, blessed is the man who is not offended because of me. The idea was blessed is the man who discovers who I really am. We all have our funny little views about who Jesus is. That's why we're studying about him. Week to week, blessed is the man or woman who discovers who I really am and yet moves on anyway. They will be blessed. So the idea of a suffering Messiah, a Messiah who forgave, a Messiah who dies for the world, uh, was then, as it is today, offensive to many. Many did walk away. Uh, Jesus uses the same word here in verse 31 of Matthew 26. He used with John the Baptist, he said, all of you will be made to stumble. In other words, because of what you discover about what it really means to walk, walk with me, you're going to stumble. You're going to walk away. That's what he says. And so then uh, it goes on in verse 31. Jesus says, For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And, and, and that's another one of those new Old Testament prophecies, this one from Zechariah, predicting that what would happen during the last hours of, of Jesus' life, continuing on in verse 32. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble, 
before, because of you. I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, this night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. So here's a man, the Apostle Peter, who is very confident of his own strength. Listen, whenever you see a man or woman behave like this, rest assured, they're in for a fall. A really painful one. I said this a couple uh, weeks ago. I'll say it again. Whenever I hear a Christian say, you know, I'll never leave Jesus. I'll never steal. I'll never lie. I'll never let my friends down. You know, I'll never leave uh, my husband. I'll I'll never go into a porn site or whatever. It, it, It causes me to cringe because the Bible says pride cometh before the fall. And the Bible is filled with stories of men and women who one day are saying, I would never do that. The next day they're saying, how could I have ever done that? Pride comes before the fall. In Matthew 23, verse 11, 11, which is only just a few days before uh, these events in in chapter 26, Jesus told his disciples this. He said, He who is greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So what is uh, Peter doing in verse 33 of chapter 26? He's exalting himself. He's saying in verse 33, even if all are made to to stumble, I will never stumble. In other words, he's he's exalting himself above everyone around him. So whenever we get this idea, please listen. Whenever we get this idea that there's something special about us that sets us apart from other people, Whenever we get this idea that we have something to offer God that He just isn't going to get from just any other person, that we'll never let Him down, God will lay us low, as we're about to see. Why? Because He loves us. Why? Because He wants to use us. And He knows that uh, He will never be able to do so as long as we're full of ourselves. We need to be full of Him. And so He'll lay us low. So anyway, we know from... Everything we've read in in the Bible from Genesis up to this point, that the Apostle Peter uh, here is headed for a real painful fall just based upon uh, what he is saying here. Again, verse 33, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. (coughs) And then look at the uh, last part of verse 35 there. Uh, the, the verse begins, Peter said to, to him, even if I die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all his disciples. Now, if you've been with us for uh, a couple weeks, this is quite a turnaround from where the disciples were in verses 21 and 22. Just go back a little to verses 21 and 22. Uh, this is Jesus as they were eating at the Lord's Supper, the first Lord's Supper, Uh, Jesus says to them in verse 21, Now as they were eating, he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? And we spent some time uh, on this a couple of weeks ago. This was not a bad thing that the disciples are saying here. This is not a bad thing. 
This is the kind of humility that pleases God. The Bible says that the heart is desperately wicked, beyond cure. Who can know it? And, and that when we're prompted by the Holy Spirit about some area of our life, or when we read something in the Word of God about some kind of behavior that is evil, there's nothing at all wrong. In fact, in fact, we should be doing this, saying to God, Lord, is it I? Is, is this what... I'm reading this like really gnarly thing here that this guy is doing or this woman's... Lord, is there some of that in me? Is this what I'm doing in my life? Am I going in that same direction, Lord? Uh, This is a good thing. Any Christian with any level of maturity, any knowledge of God's word knows that apart from the grace of God, we are capable of doing anything. The potential there is in our hearts. So when Jesus says to the disciples, one of you will betray me, they all say, is it I, Lord? It's not a bad thing. However, what happened? Jesus introduces the Lord's Supper, the bread, which represented his body, the wine, which represents his blood. In verse 30, it says they sing a hymn, they go to the Mount of Olives, and then he says to them, all of you will be made to stumble. In other words, all of you will walk away. Then all of a sudden, we see the disciples' humility vanish. At the end of verse 35, they say, it turns from, is it I, Lord, to replace, well, I would never, Lord. What happened? What happened there? Well, the answer should be very sobering to all of us. They were led into that response by Peter. Just a few moments earlier, God had brought them to that place of humility, isn't it I, Lord? But, but all it took was that that outburst of one fleshy, strong-willed guy to lead them into this very worldly, unattractive, carnal boasting. That's all it took. And let me say this to, to, to all of you. You know, discipleship, for those of you who know me, discipleship is just such an important thing. It's a priority for, for our church here. And, and the reason is God is calling every one of you every one of you, to be a leader. Now, you may not think of yourself as a leader, uh, but God is calling you to, to be one. Now, I don't mean the head of a government or a, or a church or, 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 uh, uh, or a company. Maybe that is the case, but, but I'm, I don't mean that. I mean someone who leads people by the example of your life. Who, who leads people into a deeper understanding of and closer walk with a living God. And so I have this question for each of, of you. That's why we come and, 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 and we gather together to, to ask ourselves these hard questions. What kind of life are you leading people into? The people in your life, your neighbors, your, your, your family, your roommates, the strangers, uh, the, the, the teller behind, you know, in the bank, the, the, the behind the counter at the store, the gas station, whatever. Are you leading them to God? Are they being drawn to God by the example of your life? Or like uh, Peter, are you leading them into the, into just carnality? Or are you joining them there? But so Peter here, although to an outside observer, you know, it may seem like he's filled with zeal. Wow, he's a real radical dude. I'll never fall away. Even though everyone else, I won't. Actually, he's fleshing out in a big way. Like the Pied Piper, he's leading everyone else to the same place. And we know from God's word uh, that such a person is headed for a fall. Actually, with Peter, it's going to be a free fall. Let's read on. Verse 36. (laughs) 
Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over, the, over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he became, began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The Spirit Indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, a second time, he went away, prayed, saying, O Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them uh, and went away again and prayed a third time, saying the same words. And then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See? My betrayer is at hand. So, no sooner had the words left Peter's lips, I will never stumble. Here he is stumbling. At the time of Jesus' greatest need, Peter's not there for him. By the way, You all correct me if I'm wrong. You may be able to find this somewhere in the Bible. But to my knowledge, this is the only time Jesus ever asked for a personal favor. You can imagine the only time Jesus ever asking you a personal favor, the one time, you know, you let him down. So here, here the apostle Peter is. He's not there uh, for him. And so Jesus here, he knows exactly what's coming the next day. We know this from verse 2 of this same chapter. Jesus knows the timing of his crucifixion. He knows about the agony of the cross. He knows there's going to, not only the torture of the execution, but much more so the separation that would happen between God the Father and God the Son. There had been a oneness for all eternity. And this is a mystery, but when Jesus took on uh, sort of the wrath of God, the judgment for the sins of the world, there was a separation there. The Father turned his face away. Uh, Jesus knew that was coming. He knew the sins of every human being. Every sin that you and I ever committed would be laid on him the next day. We'll never know what he went through on that day when he died for us. But here, the night before, uh, he he knew it was coming. And the the anguish he went through, the Bible says, in in another one of the Gospels, caused him to sweat with drops of blood. And he asked Peter a favor. Peter, stay here and wash with me. Peter stumbles. Falls asleep on the job. Not once, not twice, three times, uh, the, the Gospels say. And so what a picture for you and me. What a picture of how futile our man-made promises are when we trust in our strength rather than the Lord. As we've talked about, there is a godly kind of confidence when we trust in the Lord, but when we trust in our own strength. What a picture for us here. So Peter, so confident of his commitment to Jesus, just a little while earlier, he stumbles. But it gets worse. Verse 47. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude, with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. 
But Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Jesus said to him, Put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father and he will provide me with more than twelve legions of angels? How then could the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be ha- happen thus? In that hour Jesus said to the multitude, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple and you did not seize me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Now, we know from the book of Luke, we know who it was who took this sword and chopped off the ear of the high priest servant. Who was it? It was Peter. That's right. And um, uh, uh, he, he is fleshing out here Big time, I can. He's stumbling, you could say, lower and harder. It's like the guy is stumbling down the, the, the stairs and we haven't even got to the bottom. And here you have Peter behaving in a way that's exactly the opposite of what Jesus had been living and teaching him for three years. Uh, and, and, you know, his behavior, just when you read this, even, even reading it for the first time, it, it, it's, it's like, this is so incredibly foreign to everything we know about Jesus. This is just so out of tune to his life and example. And so this guy, he's just fleshing out in the biggest way. So the stumble continues. Uh, but then we read there in, um, uh, in, in verse 56 at the end, it says, Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. And that included the apostle Peter. He fled. So just, just a few, a, a couple hours earlier, and I'll never stumble. Here he is, fleeing from God. So let's read on. Skip over to verse thir- uh, 69. Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him saying, you also were with Jesus of Galilee. Now, from the book of Luke, we know more about who Jesus is sitting with right here. And I never knew this until I, I, I began studying this. G, uh, Peter is sitting with, out in the courtyard, with the people who had just arrested Jesus. He's sitting right in the midst of them. They had made this little fire and they were warming themselves by the fire. And now, Peter is sitting with these people. Now, very important lesson here. Let it speak to your heart this morning. When you're down in the pits emotionally. When you're down in the pits emotionally. When you have failed big time with the Lord like Peter, uh, you've uh, blown it in a big way and Satan has beaten you up. Never ever sit right down in the midst with the enemies of God. In the midst of the, 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 the people whose lives are, are being lived out opposed to God or, or mockers of the things of God. You know, if you've blown it big time and you're feeling all condemned, don't go, try to go cheer yourself up with a local, you know, agnostics club for coffee or whatever. 
Not a smart thing to do. Or, or don't go consort with people uh, who, who are sort of living after the devil. It's not worth it. I remember counseling a woman. And, and, and this is just a version of something I, I'm counseling all the time. Uh, but she was married to a, a, her, a, a man who was working a, a lot and wasn't spending a lot of time with her. And uh, it, 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 over time, she got more and more discouraged. She started just walking down the street to the bar. You know, and she, she, her intentions were just, she just wanted to cheer up. She was getting so discouraged. But, you know, it led to a, a fling with, 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 with another man and, and, and then just all the sort of pieces of falling all over the place. Now, she was restored just as Peter is restored here. But, you know, we've all been in that place. And if it wasn't a bar, it was something else where we're all getting all beat up. And what do we do? We just go sort of hang out with people whose lives are being lived opposed to God. Don't do that. It's a lesson we learn here uh, this morning. And so, uh, continuing on there in verse 70, 70, but Peter denied it. So these people, (laughs) sitting around this fire, they just go right after Peter, you know. You also were with him, Jesus of Galilee. Verse 70, but he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you're saying. And when he had uh, gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and, and said to those who were there, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied uh, with an oath, I do not know the man. Of course, Satan doesn't give up. Look at verse 73. And, and a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, surely you also are one of them, for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. He went out and wept bitterly. The Gospel of Luke adds that Peter broke down in tears because right after, actually there was a point right after he had denied Jesus for the third time, he looked into the high priest's courtyard where Jesus was being tried and Jesus turned around right at that moment, looked at him and and, and then he says he realized what he did. So a lot of times we're in this free fall. And we don't even realize it until the Holy Spirit, the Lord, or, or maybe a brother and sister in Christ tells us what's going on in our lives. And, 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 then, uh, and then we realize what we did. So uh, here Peter is, big time free fall here. Now he's at the bottom of the stairs, the bottom of the barrel. And you couldn't get any lower uh, than Peter at this point. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Remember what Jesus had said to Peter and the disciples in uh, verse uh, uh, 31. He said, all of you will be made to stumble. Verse 33, Peter said, I will never stumble. Now, uh, it, it, and so this is what happens just in a matter of, uh, of hours. Now, Luke adds something very important. Turn with me to Luke chapter 22. That's just two books to the right. Luke chapter 22. Verse 31, this is the parallel account of Jesus telling his disciples or telling Peter that they're going to deny him. This is Luke's parallel account. We see uh, something real important here uh, and uh, really kind of scary, to be honest with you. Verse 31, and the Lord said to Simon, 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 indeed, Satan has asked for you 
that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. So there's something very eye-opening about this verse, if you read it closely. And yeah, it's really comforting on the one hand to know that Jesus is praying for Peter. He's praying for you and I. When we drift off the path and we're being beat up by the enemy, he's praying for us. But what's not so comforting is that Satan asked to sift Peter like wheat and Jesus didn't say no. Jesus doesn't say no. He said he would pray for him. He didn't say he would stop Satan from sifting. In fact, Satan did just that, as we have just read. He had an absolute field day with Peter. Peter falls asleep on Jesus uh, three times. Uh, then he tries to kill someone who's arresting Jesus, basically trying to get in between Jesus and the cross. Uh, then he flees for his life. Then he denies Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. And you can only imagine what Satan is doing the whole time. Peter, you are the worst excuse of a, for a follower of Jesus Christ. Give up. Walk away. Be offended. Stumble. Go back to Nazareth. To Galilee. Wow. But guess what? What Satan meant for evil, God meant for good. And that is why Jesus allowed Satan to do just what he did because Jesus knew the only way that Peter would ever be used was if God brought him to the very end of himself. The very end of himself. And that is where Peter was in verse 75 of Matthew 26. He's at the very end of himself. But brothers and sisters, just as God is faithful to bring us low, and he will do that, he's faithful to bring us low, he is also faithful to raise us back and restore us. Turn now to John 21. That's one book after Luke. John 21. Now, Peter, at this point, this is after the resurrection. Peter still, uh, at this point, he's very much still at the bottom of the barrel. He's, he's been humbled in like a mighty, mighty way. In verse 21, it says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two of other of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, We are going with you also. And they went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the, sh- uh, on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you no f- any food? They answered, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. 
Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put out his outer garment uh, for he had removed it and plunged it into the sea. And Now just a little side note here. If you're afraid of the Lord because you've stumbled in a mighty, mighty way, you sure don't get that. And you're afraid of going to Him. Uh, you don't get that from the Bible. What you get from the Bible, the example from the Bible, for those who knew Him, they were willing to do some radical things to get back to Him after they had hit the bottom of the barrel. And here you see a grown man jumping into the sea and... Uh, swimming so fast, he beat the boat to shore. <laughs> That's what happens here. Uh, and, and it says, um, Simon Peter uh, uh, took off his outer garment, plunged into the sea, but the uh, disciples came in the little boat, uh, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. And Simon Peter went up and and dragged the net to the land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the, uh, the net was not broken. And Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now, here is what I I really want us to focus in on now. Verse um, verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter. So what you're going to have now is a conversation uh, between Jesus and the apostle Peter. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Now, the word love there is not actually love. It's like. It's a, it's a different word. Jesus, Jesus says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? The word in Greek there is agape. And, and Peter says, Yes, Lord, you know I, phileos, I, I have an affection for you. So it's one of the difficulties of translating Greek to English. So he, does, he can't even say he agape loves the Lord, which is that, self-sacrificing love that's willing to die. He says, but I, I have an affection for you. In verse 16, it says, but then it says in, at the end of verse 15, it says, he said to him, feed my lambs. Verse 16, he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Again, agape me. And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love phileos you. I, I care about you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And Jesus said to him the third time, Son of Jonah, do you even have affection for me? Do you really even like me is what, the, what, what it uh, uh, says here. And it says here that Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you uh, love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. What was Jesus, what was Jesus doing here? He was restoring him. That's what he was doing. For as many times as Peter denied the Lord, the Lord restored him three times. He said, feed my sheep. He's restoring him to the position that he wanted him to be in. In other words, you're still my guy, Peter. I understand you've let me down. I, it, it had to be that way. You needed to come to the end of Peter so you could come to the beginning of the man of God I want you to be now. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And guess what? After God restores us, it doesn't end there. Let's conclude with this. Turn one more book to the right. Acts chapter 3. 
Acts chapter 3. Peter gives one powerful sermon in Acts chapter 2. Then he gives another powerful sermon in Acts chapter 3. And and we're going to be in verse 12 here in Acts chapter 3. And this is right after Peter and John had just raised up this lame man um, to walk. And in verse 12 he says, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently as though by our own power or godliness... We had made this man to walk. Here's a man who now knows where the power comes from. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified His servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate. Now he is he's basically confronting them for denying Jesus. Now here is a man who has been freed from the guilt of his sin. Verse 14, but you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murder to be granted to you. They're referring to when they asked for Lazarus, uh, 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 not Lazarus, Barabbas, Barabbas, thank you, Uh, instead of Jesus when Pilate had had, had asked um, if they wanted uh, wanted Jesus to be freed. Uh, And then it says in verse 15, and killed the prince of life whom God raised from the dead of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know, yes, the faith which comes through him and given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Here's a man who knew from experience that repenting and turning to God will be followed by refreshing. But it didn't come except after a lot of pain, a lot of conviction of sin, a lot of conviction of his own rebellion. This is a description of a man who had been freed a man who had been freed. Have you failed God in a big way? Perhaps like Peter, you've fallen asleep in your relationship with God. Or like Peter, you've tried to do some great work with him and just like Peter flailing away with a sword, you wound up falling, uh, hacking someone up and falling on your face. I speak figuratively, of course. I hope you haven't been hacking up people with a sword. Have you abandoned the Lord just as Jesus, uh, just as Peter did after Jesus was arrested? Have you denied Him? Not, not once, not twice, but three times. Maybe with your words, maybe just by your lifestyle, have you denied Him? Could it be, just like Peter, that you were just trying to do it all in your own strength, trying to live and receive the grace and access to God based upon your works, which the Bible says can never, ever be done? God wants to restore you. He wants you to live out Acts chapter 3 with Peter. It may not be, you know, boldly speaking out and confronting people, but it may just be living at home, 
taking care of your kids faithfully, or it could be just being a student at, at, in your university and not denying the Lord. And believe me, if you're a student at a university in this city, you'll have plenty of opportunities to deny the Lord. Or maybe it will be just at work or whatever, just living it out by the power of just, just like um, uh, the Apostle Peter said in Acts uh, chapter 3, by the power of God and not in your own strength. He does that every day for Christians throughout the world. We've seen him do that with so many men and women, boys and girls here in our, in our church, and, and he can do it for you. If that describes something that you want for your life, please come up after the service. I'd like to pray with you. All it takes is a prayer of faith. Now, but if you are a person who has never really entered into a relationship with God, and, and by the way, the Bible says that we're not born into a relationship with God. We enter a relationship with God when we, at an age where we know what's going on, realize, wow, we're sinners. We can't save ourselves. We can't get access to God. And we ask God. We ask Jesus to, to enter into our life. I'd also like to pray with you. you know, the Bible says that we're saved just in a way, just like Peter was sort of rescued by the Lord. We have to come to an end to ourselves. We have to realize that we can't do anything in order to merit salvation, our relationship with God, eternity. We can't do a thing. We've got to come to an end or, uh, uh, to, to a place where, where we just tell the Lord that, Lord, your, your word is true. Christ died for my sins. There's no way I can get access or have a relationship with you. Except by the cross, Lord Jesus, come into my life. If, if that describes you, I'd love to pray with you as well. But now I'd just like to, to close in prayer. And, and after we pray, I'd like everyone to just rise up. Greg uh, is going to, to sing us a worship song. Greg, why don't you just come on up and, and while, while, I, uh, while I pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord God, for your wonderful word. It's never really what we expect, Lord God, but when we find out and discover what it is, Lord, I, God, we, we are blessed. Sometimes we're offended, Lord, and we pray for the grace to, to just move off of the place where we're offended, at the place where, Lord God, we say, Lord, I, I know I don't particularly like this that you're asking me to do. I, do, I don't like what I just find about what I just found out about you and what you want for my life, but Lord, your will, not mine. God, we thank you that you do that every time we get into the word, Lord. We thank you. God, your word blesses us. The Holy Spirit refreshes us, Lord. You've done that this morning. God, we know when we go out, there's going to go out into a world that's not necessarily as, as um, safe as the place we're in now, Lord, and we need your grace to to go out today and, and move on and, and, and live under your power, Lord. And God, we just pray all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. If you could stand with us together. Lift your name on high, Lord. 
love to sing your praises. And I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven, Lord. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. My death to pay from the cross to the grave. From the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high. Sing in Spanish now. Sing your two nombres of the name. Y me gozo en alabarte. Pues mi vida eres tú. Soy feliz, pues no salvaste. Desde el mundo llegaste a guiar y del mundo a la cruz para salvar a la tumba de la cruz y el cielo de la tumba, Señor, tu nombre exaltaré. Sing, you came from heaven, Lord. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. My death to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high. Amen. Okay, God bless you. You're dismissed.